Chapter 4, The Jokes on Us But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. Genesis chapter 17, verse 21. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a baby without the support of your family? It seems unthinkable. I mean, I know you're not supposed to look back on people in history and judge them by the current standards of your own society, but it's hard not to do that at least a little bit in the case of Mary and Joseph's family. I mean, sure, we are way more tolerant about basically everything than people were back in Bible times, and the rules of propriety and the family reputation carried a whole lot more weight than they do now. But still... What happened to those two kids on the first Christmas just seems flat wrong. How do you look at your own child, pregnant and poor, and then shut the door in her face? On the other hand, what must it have been like for Mary's parents when they found out she was pregnant? After all, she had become engaged to a young man who seemed like a nice boy. I mean, Joseph was poor, but he was growing up to be a good man. I'm sure this engagement was accompanied by all the normal joy, excitement, and stress of wedding preparations. But then a bomb went off that changed everything in their family forever. Mary was pregnant. Mary was going to have a baby before the wedding. I'm guessing her mother found out first. Was this some kind of joke? She told her husband. How could this have happened? Was it Joseph's baby, or or even worse, was it someone else's? I mean, after all these years, did they even know their daughter at all? How long would it be until people noticed? How long could they hide her? What would the neighbors say? Would Joseph even go through with the wedding? Would Mary just live with them now, raising an illegitimate child on her own in their home for the rest of her life? It was a disaster. It was shameful. It would ruin their family. Not only that, but now this girl they had raised in their home seemed as though she was losing her mind. She said the baby wasn't Joseph's, but but not because she was fooling around on the side. No, she said this baby was a miracle. She said an angel of God had appeared to her. She said the baby was the Messiah himself. And that's how she was able to get pregnant without having sex. Whoa. I mean, if you were Mary's parents, would you have believed her? Were they supposed to tell people in town this ridiculous story? Were they supposed to print that on the invitations to the baby showers? Were they supposed to buy a maternity wedding dress? No, of course not. There were no such things as maternity wedding dresses in those days. There would be no wedding, no baby showers, no parties, no joy. And then weirder still, a few days after the news broke in the village, Joseph announced that he would not file for a divorce from their engagement, but would continue on with the marriage in due course. The whole town was talking. Surrounding towns were talking as well. Everyone figured it must be his baby after all, and they were both simply lying about not having had sex. Either that, or Mary was lying and Joseph had just decided to take one for the team. People talked, and I'm sure they laughed. Mary and Joseph became a joke. 
the kind of joke you can go back to again and again when the conversation has gone stale and you just need something to say. Gossip isn't kind, and it takes no prisoners. I'm sure Mary and Joseph and their families were all thrown under the bus over the next few months. Well, as it turned out, the Roman governor had decided everyone in the kingdom should return to their ancestral hometowns to be counted for tax purposes, which meant that both Mary and Joseph's families had to return to Bethlehem as they were both descended from David the king. This census wound up falling in line with Mary's due date. Well, either that or the 70-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem kick-started her labor. In any case, Mary started to have that baby in a town that wasn't her home. Now, these days, doctors don't let women travel anywhere when they're close to giving birth. But there she was, a poor teenage girl, far away from home, about to do the hardest thing human beings do. And somehow, incredibly, her family decided not to take her into the house where they were staying. And they were all there. By law, both Mary and Joseph's parents were there in Bethlehem. But no one took them in. Were they just too ashamed? It seems too cruel to be true. But we know that no one made room for that laboring girl, her young husband, and the little baby boy who was on his way. Now, this wasn't the first time a pregnancy in this family line had raised eyebrows and brought on the gossip. Many, many years before this, Abraham and Sarah were shopping for strollers and walkers at the same time. God had promised this aged couple a child, and they were so old that when Sarah heard the promise, she laughed out loud. The Lord called her out. And she denied it, but he had the last laugh. He told Abraham to name the boy Isaac, which means laughter, or he laughs. And sure enough, everyone who heard the news must have doubled over when they saw Abraham rocking his baby on the front porch at a hundred years old. Abraham and Sarah and Isaac were a joke, but they were the best kind of joke. They were the joke that's so impossible but true that it's hilarious and amazing all at the same time. Years before, when Abraham and Sarah were impatiently waiting on the promise to come true, they cooked up this little plan of their own to do God's job for him. So Abraham slept with Sarah's servant, Hagar. And then she had a little baby boy, and they named him Ishmael. It was a sad and disturbing mess, and the Lord wasn't having it. He didn't want their help. He wanted to do the impossible. He told Abraham that the promise would come through Sarah, through Isaac. The promise of a family, a land, and a special descendant who would bless the whole world would come through an impossible little boy named Laughter. It was the joke God was playing on the whole world. He took a couple entirely too old to have a baby and gave them one. He took a girl who couldn't possibly have a baby and yet gave her one. And this is what the promise is all about. It's what Christmas is all about. Jesus has come into the world so that through him we can be the people we could never be without him. God is using the old, 
the poor, the powerless, and the shameful. He's using the stories everyone else has given up on. He's turning laughingstocks into princes. He's turning nobodies into legends. The promised one is here. He's turning the whole world upside down. He's redeeming everything, repairing broken hearts and renewing broken lives. In the end, everyone will see all of the ways he has made beauty from death. And along with us, he will have the last laugh.